The following is a fourth-hand production. The continent of Atlantis was an island which lay before the Great Flood in the area we now call the Atlantic Ocean. So great an area of land that from her western shores those beautiful sailors journeyed to the south and the North Americas with ease in their ships with painted sails. Brent is out this week and left me to do the intro. First let me say, I don't know why you listen to this dumpster fire of a show, but assuming for some reason you're listening this week, I'm going to do everything I can to ruin it. Oh, and the topic is the lost city of Atlantis. Woohoo. Hail Atlantis. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through skeptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. And welcome in Hysteria Nation to another edition of Hysteria 51, the podcast this heart might be in Atlantis, but its mind is still in the gutter. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, also known as Chicago, I am your host, John Goforth. With me is not, let me repeat, not my partner in crime, Brent Hand. Uh, Brent's actually busy being probed, not an alien abduction or anything. Uh, just once a month, he pays some dude to probe him. Uh, it's weird. I don't know. Anyway, in his stead with big shoes to fill is frequent guest and friend of the show, Joe Peck. Joseph, how does it feel to move up from cub reporter to hit in the big leagues? Part two of the question. Can you keep up with all the metaphors? Not sure about the metaphors, but definitely an honor to be here. You know, I, I, I it's bittersweet. Obviously, it's. Unfortunate that Brent at this point has boycotted any episode of the show that I'm on. At the same time, it's pretty amazing that you are forging ahead even without Brent just because you want me on here. So, you know, feeling, feeling a little bit good. I fought the good fight. That's what they call it. <laughs> also with us tonight is Chicago improv and acting impresario. Dan Jazzhands Jessup is back. Dan, after the, uh, well, I guess, what what better way to say it than the incident, after our time travel episode, I'm really surprised you agreed to come back. Uh, conspiracy bot feels really bad. No. No, I don't. Well, on the inside. Not even a little. Stop projecting, douchebag. Well, uh, he at least apologizes and offers to, to not do it again. Again. And why I have to keep repeating myself is beyond me. So one last time, fuck all of you equally. At least Brent had the decency to not show up. <sighs> uh, well, welcome back anyway. Thanks. You know, and Seabot and I are working through things, and that's fine. Uh, it was an incident. It will always be an incident. It will always be the incident. Uh, he and I um, will be here um, as needed. And when we're when we're not here, we're 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 going through some things together. We're we're taking uh, classes together. And um, I, I'm not concerned in the light in the slightest. I did see you try to hold his pincher earlier. I did. Yeah. Well, it's it's a mad. It's a it's a, it's a mechanism. Yeah. Uh, both literal and mm. figurative. Yeah, yeah, no, I got another I get metaphor. It. I can't keep up with. There you go. <laughs> Eat my robo ass with a spork jazz hands. <laughs> robot counseling. Uh, and speaking of the robot that never fails to well mess something up, conspiracy bot. Go forth. 
Don't think you can mess with me just because Brent isn't here. I have a long extension cord and I know how to use it if you catch my drift. Okay, thanks, Conspiracy Bot. Uh, I don't catch your drift. Uh, boys, tonight we're talking Atlantis. Deep, deep, deep the thoughts, lost city. Deep lost city. Uh, before we get into It's the- always in the last place you look. <laughs> like your keys. <laughs> so, w- so it must be in like Antarctica, right? Uh, or, or in my parents' basement, perhaps. Atlantis, uh, Atlantis could be in your parents' basement. The crawl space? I don't know. Well, show over. Have in a look. Your, in your car. Uh, before we get into all of that, let's talk what we're drinking. You say it's a lexicon of libations. We call it a bulletin of booze. Either way, we're all getting pissed. Here's this week's Spirit Selections. Joe, what do you got over there? I've got a very unique drink. I don't think anyone else here has ever had anything like it. It's it's my you know my standard that that we go with um, some Maker's Mark, but unlike you know really actually in honor of Brent not being here today, R.I.P. You know, I, I decided not to go with Maker's mixed with another booze, so I'm going with Maker's with some Ecto Cooler, a classic. Ecto Cooler is mm. Slimer actually on the box? Uh, he's in the cup. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Dan, what are you working with over there? We kicked things off with a uh, with a Bloody Mary, uh, and also in honor of Brent. And then uh, <laughs> I followed suit, and I, I, I'm with the uh, what I call the Mecto Cooler. So Maker's Mark and Ecto Cooler. Mm. Oh wow, sounds I, delicious. I like how you came I might up try with that. that. Give it a give it a whirl. Give it I like give it a you, pull. I like how you came up with a clever name for it too, Joe. I'm gonna go ahead and need you to do that next time. And, That's why I'm uh, not an actual host. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am working with some vodka and Diet Mountain Dew. Need to get my energy up a little bit, and nope. here we are. I'm good to go. Sivat, uh, uh, I want to give you some credit. I, I'm, it's really kind of cool of you and, and surprising that you're drinking regular old Bud Light tonight in honor of your creator who couldn't join us. R.I.P. Never forget. Are you kidding? That bastard is away, so I plan to play. And by play, I mean drink all his beer. There is a lot, but I will not fail in this endeavor. As of now, it is my prime directive. And you never fail to disappoint. All right. Uh, that's time- a talent, by the way. To never fail to disappoint, that's a talent. No, it is. It right? is. Let's not go down a rabbit hole, but, I mean, how can you truly define never? Well, uh, Conspiracy Bot's uh, been created or been in existence for um, less than a year now, and thus far it hasn't happened. Mm. So I Fair enough. Never in his yeah. existence, yeah. maybe? So maybe, yeah, it may have been like the lore or the flexo of the conspiracy well, and, bot situation that I saw disappoint. Well, and, I, and in honor of this series and this episode, I just bought and assumed and trusted that he never fails to disappoint, uh, as in many buy and assume that Atlantis exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the spirit of this, do we just assume this, uh, exhume, if you will, later, we'll assume it from the ground, but it will also <laughs> assume it's true and say, great, got it, I'm impressed. Done. Yep. I'm in. Each week, we delve into our weird headspace, open up the drawer marked freaky sh**, and pull out a mysterious morsel you just have to try. It's time for Hysteria Hype. All right, fellas, tonight Hysteria Hype is a shameless self-promotion. If you listen to the show regularly or if you're friends with us on Facebook, you know we uh, we have that Facebook page and, and over a thousand of you follow us and we, we really appreciate that. The problem we noticed is that it doesn't engender a ton of discussion or, or debate. 
So we, we always ask what you think, and we really wanted a good venue for it. So we started a Facebook uh, group discussion board called Hysteria Nation. Clever name, I know. Uh, simply go to Facebook, search Hysteria Nation, and click join. That's it. That's all you have to do. I actually think it does, in autocomplete, it, after, after like H-Y-S-T, it pops up. So you shouldn't have any problems finding it. Uh, once you're on the board, you can tell Brent how dumb he is and how smart and good-looking I am. Uh, along with talking conspiracies and stuff. Anyway, that's Hysteria Nation on Facebook. Join the discussion, everybody. John, did did you choose the episode that I'm filling the the shoes of co-host specifically because you assumed that there would be so much I would say that was either wrong or incomplete that everyone was going to be dying to get in and make comments on it? Yes. I'm glad you picked up on that. Perfect. Metaphors. Well, you. I mean, I'm trying real hard. Yep. It's a metaphor for it, right? Yep. Well done. I mean, metaphors all around. Enough circle jerking. Get with the show, assholes. All right, boys. Atlantis, the lost city. I'm going to go ahead and give you a quick Reader's Digest version, and then we'll dig into the details. Do you know who lost it? (laughs) One of the readers. (laughs) God. Uh, where did I put that thing? <laughs> was it in was it in the Peck's basement? No, no, that's not it. <laughs> was it Atlas? Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that folks was this week's episode of Hysteria <laughs> 51. Thanks for listening. No, 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 no. We're not done yet. I don't think we figured it out. <laughs> All right, uh, let me give you the Reader's Digest. This is what the History Channel says about Atlantis. Atlantis, a likely mythical island nation named in Plato's dialogues Timaeus and Critias, has been an object of fascination among Western philosophers and historians for nearly 2,400 years. Plato describes it as a powerful and advanced kingdom that sank in a night and a day into the ocean around 9600 B.C. The ancient Greeks were divided as to whether Plato's story was to be taken as history or mere metaphor. Since the 19th century, there has been renewed interest in linking Plato's Atlantis to historical locations. Most commonly, the Greek island of Santorini, which was destroyed by a volcanic eruption around 1600 BC. By the way, John, you realize that's gonna, that, that's gonna be the very first thing posted on Facebook. Someone's gonna call you out on your pronunciation of Critias and Timaeus. Probably. Yeah, most likely. And, and they'll, they'll probably, the worst part is they'll be right. I, I, nope. I have no idea. No, they won't be. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Joe, Joe, my longtime defender. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's according to the History Channel. Um, live science takes a little bit more of a negative look at it. Atlantis is a legendary, quote, unquote, lost island, uh, subcontinent, often idealized as an advanced utopian society holding wisdom that could bring world peace. The idea of Atlantis has captivated dreamers, occultists, and New Agers for generations. They say you're a dreamer, Dan, don't they? Or at least John Lennon did? Well, John Lennon and the rest of the Atlanteans did say that. I always thought of you as a New Ager, so, you know, who knew? I I repurpose every couple decades. (laughs) How old are you? 98. You're like Guinan, man. Thank you. Thank you. Are you part of another species that we're unaware of? Well, here to just keep us on track? I'm here to help. Thank you. All right, so unlike many legends whose origins have been lost in the mists of time, we know exactly when and where the story of Atlantis first appeared. The story was first told in two of Plato's dialogues, Timaeus and Critias, written around 330 BC. Though today Atlantis is often thought as a peaceful utopia, the Atlantis that Plato described in his fable was very different. In his book, Frauds, Myths, and Mysteries, Science and Pseudoscience and Archaeology, professor of archaeology Ken Fetter summarizes the story. Quote, 
a technologically sophisticated but morally bankrupt evil empire, Atlantis attempts world domination by force. The only thing standing in its way is a relatively small group of spiritually pure, morally principled, and incorruptible people, the ancient Athenians. Overcoming overwhelming odds, the Athenians are able to defeat their far more powerful adversaries simply through the force of their spirit. Sound familiar? Plato's Atlantean dialogues are essentially the ancient Greek version of Star Wars. Come on. Would that count as a long time ago? <laughs> nice. It would, but not in a galaxy far, far away. Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, already disproved. Thank you, Conspiracy Bot. All right, so here's the point, guys. Plato was the first dude to write about it. He wrote about Atlantis. Nobody had actually put pen to paper prior to that. It could have been 9,500 years before Plato, or maybe just 1,500 years before Plato. We'll get to that discrepancy in a little bit. But either way, it's a game of telephone. This story's been passed down from person to person to person, even culture to culture. It was known to be an advanced civilization, though there's tons of debate as to what that really means. Are we just talking... Hey, they've got indoor plumbing. They're really advanced. Or are we talking they're texting each other? How advanced were they? Yeah, advanced relative to what? Right, exactly. What's the baseline? Well, I mean, for real advancement, were they sexting each other? Uh, is the, the real question. Okay. Ballad and Facebook Live. And okay. you know, there, there have literally been hundreds of locations across the world that people allege was Atlantis. It, of course, it has never actually truly been proven if it existed, and if so, where? With that, let's get into uh, the heart of that, of did it exist? Joe? Getting into whether or not it existed, there's there's a few things to think about. So Plato, it's it's where we get all of our information from. Uh, as John mentioned, Timaeus and Critias are, are the two documents. And, and technically, that's the first reference. Um, they're very detailed references uh, to his, its existence. And, you know, maybe the, the first thing to discuss is... They're awfully detailed for being an allegory, in in my professional opinion. Uh, when you say allegory, uh, I'll, the people who don't believe Atlantis ever existed believe that uh, that Plato was writing these as an allegory to talk about the ills of society, not necessarily telling a story of an actual thing that happened, right? That's exactly right. And so so here's a quick overview of what went on in in the actual – uh, two documents where it's talked about. It's told as a story uh, where it had been relayed by a person named Solon. This is a real person. It's documented. He existed, as did uh, Critias, as well as Critias's grandfather, Critias. Both have the same name, who uh, was the son of Solon. And Critias is introducing this in both of the documents, Timaeus and Critias, lots of using the word Critias, it's getting weird, um, <laughs> to the, the listeners in the case are, in this case, are Plato, Socrates, Timaeus, uh, as in the same name as one of the two documents, and Hermocrates. So all of these are real people. They existed. Um, Plato is potentially using it as a vehicle. To tell a story, which is what some people would say. Other people would say, no, this is a conversation that really happened. Plato's documenting it. And as and he, as he did, 
in a lot of his other writings. So he would, he would say, uh, which I forget which writing it was, but he would say, Socrates did this, That's Socrates exactly right. said that, but that was just really, they called it a mask. It was a mask he was wearing to, like, to espouse his own, uh, virtues and ideals. That's uh, exactly right. He Socrates uses a lot in the Republic, uh, where yeah, the he, Republic. That was he it. was yeah. coming up with, you know, sort of this, crowning achievement of what civilization should look like. Um, and so some people look at this and say, okay, this is an extension of that. And so the story itself is that Solon, the, the great-grandfather of Critias, again, real person, he existed, we all know it's real. Was was Solon Critias' grandfather or great-grandfather or whatever, or was he, I thought he was Plato's great-grandfather. Well, I guess that's a great question. Um, and maybe because of the nature of the writing, it's easy to mix it up. My understanding, or because we're not Greek was, historians. Well, Dan is. I'm one. Well, one of them. There are six of us. You know, Ancestry.com doesn't have a, an accurate site on it. It's it ends right. It ends one generation after after them. Plato. Yeah, after yeah. Plato. One 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 G convenient. Po- one G post P. So it, yeah, it's a little murky. Obvious. Yeah. Regardless, Solon is a guy. He's a guy. He. The story is that Solon was down in <laughs> Egypt hanging out. With a bunch of the Egyptian priests, and, and now it's important to understand, priests were at that time the keepers of knowledge uh, for all the people. And apparently, one of the greatest of all the Egyptian priests, Sanchez the Sait, uh, who was thought of as the most learned, who thought of, was thought of as the greatest understander of their history, had read on ancient pillars within the Egyptian empire that there was this story of 9,500 years ago what occurred, which was this gigantic battle between the Atlanteans and the Athenians. This is the first problem with this story. And I don't mean problem in its believability. I mean problem from a, like we called it a telephone game earlier. So, so far, and this hasn't even gotten to current day or anywhere within a thousand years of current day. So far, we have an ancient priest in Egypt who knew this story only from reading it on a tablet with hieroglyphs on it, who then passed it along to Solon, who then passed it along to, uh, well, <laughs> whether it's Plato or Critias, either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're already like six deep in the game of telephone, and we're only to, what, 300 BC? Possibly. By the way, still, telephone had not been invented yet. That we yep. know of. AGB. AGB was not slinging phone calls quite yet. That we know of. Thank you. Does anyone know what number Alexander Graham Bell dialed? Did he dial one? Because I feel like if he didn't dial one, that that's the smoking gun, right? Whoever actually invented the well, telephone was used there a, the number one. Well, first he dialed was, star six nine, so that they would. So they would call. Know. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. that's yeah, a very good, good point. That's very well, again. And was he was he dialing, or was he just was? Did he have? Was it? Would he, did he, would he not even know the number? Was there something pre-programmed into his phone? Mm. Like, oh, I'm just going to call one of my favorites. Oh, I don't know yeah. the number. I just know I tap. You know, Jane. Yeah, right. The crystal called crystal. crystal called Jane. Called Eric. He doesn't know. That's a great question. So back around to, to the definition of never and, and whether something can be never like this one is it's, it's worth at least noting that, that there's, you know, some pretty, I think, legitimate discourse of like, okay, just because we don't know of any documentation that exists from that 9500 BC mark to this 
400, or I guess it'd be around 550 BC mark when Solon is supposedly receiving this information. We don't know that, that there wasn't documentation of this right. that existed that, that's gone. Like we well, do no, know there's that, lots of things that are gone. There are, there are many transcripts that are referenced in other places that we have not found to this day. Not, not about Atlantis necessarily, but I'm just saying like, no, it's a great point. It like, is possible. The, that's actually repu- reportedly one of the things that the, the uh, Egyptian priests were saying to Solon, like, Hey, we know more about your culture and the history of your culture exactly. than you do. Cause you idiots keep dying. You yeah. keep having huge <laughs> catastrophes and it's, um, and, and they were sort of giving him shit about that, but it's actually one of the, the things that's been pointed out by a lot of historians and scholars about the Egyptians. The reason we know so much about the Egyptians and what happened so long ago is because they were one of the few peoples out in the, in the entire world that didn't, conti- because of their geography, didn't continually face, continually, I mean, every couple thousand years, massive culture changing events like volcanoes like hurricanes things that can decimate an entire race Uh, well it's i mean the library of alexandria well there's it's kind of funny the irony of we're using egypt right now to talk about a a group that didn't have this happen but the library of alexandria was in alexandria which is in egypt but at the same time it was a greek library but it's gone I mean, we, everyone knows it existed. They know there was amazing documentation in it that's lost for history. Where'd it go? No one knows. I'd like to know who burned it down. Was it an Atlantean? Oh, oh, good point. Good point. Conspiracy about what do you think? I feel like it was the talking heads. <laughs> it, I mean, that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. And it goes, I mean, the age old. I, I feel like, okay, that, that actually, come on, Joe, don't give him credit. That makes no sense. Well, it makes sense in the context of the age-old feud between Billy Joel and the Talking Heads and who started the fire. Billy Joel didn't. Um, Thank you. Oh, and it goes back to Billy Joel, fire started, Alexandria burns down. I told you cockknockers, I know my shit. Wow. I don't Conspiracy know. Bot, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. How else can you explain him marrying Christy Brinkley? Perfect. All right. Let's move on before he so, takes over the show. So back to the reality of, of the transcripts. In the Timaeus, uh, what Critias introduces is the concept of this war that existed, that, that's being told to Solon and relayed down to him. In the actual to- document called the Critias, he further describes a lot of the specifics of the geography, the location uh, the way that people live their life, the civilization in general of Atlantis, um, which gets interesting because a lot of the people who use it as this really hardcore anti-Atlantean uh, concept that Plato was writing to glorify the Greeks, the Athenians, I, I mean, I read it. I've read them both multiple times in preparation for the show. I don't know. I don't see that much of it. Like you said, it, anti-Atlantean. Do you think that there were politicians going around in that time in Athens saying, "We will keep the Atlanteans out," and you know how we're going to do it? We're going to build a wall, and we are going to make Atlantis pay for it. Hmm. I mean, I think it's likely. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they were only sending in, you know, their criminals, their rapists, their their bad drug dudes. dealers, their yeah. bad yeah. dudes, bad, bad dudes. dudes. Yeah. Ba- Bad hombres, even? Bad, bad, hombres. bad hombres. Hombres, at a classic uh, word from ancient Greece. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Well, and this was a time at Pl- of Plato's life when he had a horrible comb over. 
um, when he was talking about this stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's all very, very possible. Um, but, but the reality was it really (laughs) was meant to be a direct contrast to the ancient Athenian society that Plato liked to talk about in the Republic. Even in the Critias, he, he, there's a very, very long exposition on what was going on in Athens and Greece at that time, not just Atlantis, that, that creates some degree of contrast between the two. Um, the one other thing of note from the Plato text that, that should be at least brought up is, you know, because I'm, I'm presenting all of these things through a lens where I do probably believe something existed. Um, I think it's weird for there to be the detail Plato gave, um, for not, but he does talk about this. Wow. Giving away the milk for free over here. No, there's far, far more milk. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm giving you the milk. The cream's coming later. Oh, for God's sake, just calm down, John. I mean, cream like the is delicious and comes from milk, like the like cra- like Eric Clapton's cream. Oh, well, I'm fine with yeah, that. Ginger Baker, thank you. Cream. Um, and and so the one thing that that does make it a little bit far fetched is he talks in detail about the creation of Atlantis being by Poseidon when the Greek gods were divvying up the world, um, into who's who. And Poseidon created this island supposedly for his son Atlas to rule over and the rest of his sons to be sort of the sub rulers of, which, you know, it does raise some questions. But then again, I, I even question Given the fact that Poseidon doesn't exist. Is that what you're saying? Well, maybe. <laughs> but I also questions Plato, Plato's use of Poseidon there because I can just hear the emails coming in now from all the Poseidon believers. Of course. Well, what? But here's <laughs> the thing: why? Yes. Why would Poseidon need an island for his kids? Poseidon's the king of the sea. Like, I'm just trying to picture. Like, is this like a Little Mermaid thing? Was Poseidon like coming up out Under of the, the ocean sea. to like kiss his child goodbye to never see them again and see them all off right before I cry every time it's happening? Like, is that what was going on? Uh, okay, but I love how you're trying to logic your way through what the Greek gods did or didn't do <laughs> to establish whether a society actually existed or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's interesting logic. It, it might be called circular in some uh, in some corner circles maybe the platelian <clears throat> well i don't think it would be called circular in a corner thank you weird. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's but valid. i mean it's really the same valid. logic it's the same logic dan uses to disprove the existence of the english yeah i mean again these guys are apparently people that are around us or live in Great Britain or whatever. They're Brexiting. Thank you. You know, and again, not not on the C-SPAN I watch. <laughs> so, I don't know. Show yourself. Hashtag resist. Show yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, another interesting wrinkle in whether or not it all even existed. Um, there's not just Plato. There, there, there really is some, some genuine evidence that has to be at least considered, if not believed, um, by everyone. For example, the ancient Mayans, <clears throat> thousands of years ago, they had a very similar type of a story. It's a slightly different name. Um, the Mayans have origin myths that tell of a mysterious island or perhaps a continent. It's, it, this is, these are hard languages to decipher today because there's nothing existing that's anything like them. But, um, it was called Aztlan, not terribly far off from Atlanta or, or Atlantis. Um, which will Atlanta wasn't that the guy that filled in for Batman after Bane broke his back? Aslan, interesting. (laughs) I do not remember. I think think Aslan was the medication he took when he hurt his back. Oh, thank you. Well, no, Aslan was the lion in in uh, Lion of the Witch and the Wardrobe, right? Yeah, the the Jesus metaphor. There you go. 
No, back I was, to the metaphors, John. I was no dumbass. It was as real. Stop mentioning comics if you don't know what the fuck you are talking about. Brent would be ashamed. Uh, uh, okay, thank you, conspiracy bot, and uh, uh, I, my apologies for hurting your sensibilities over there. God. So back to the Mayans and Aslan. Uh, in this story, the Mayans came from this ancient lost island called Aslan. Uh, they came to the South American continent because they were driven out of their home on this island by a volcanic cataclysm that destroyed the entire land and their homeland, they, they claim, sunk under the sea uh, and it forced them to leave. This voyage is recorded and documented in lots of different places. One of them that's more one of the most famous is called the Codex Boterini. Uh, so for those who want to go look it up. It's there. Um, the other thing that, that is interesting to consider as, you know, we go down this road of who else has talked about this besides Plato John is there are a lot of destruction by flood stories in ancient civilizations. The Hebrews slash Babylonians have their stories. There's the Noah. There's a, there's a the book Bible. I like there's... to read called the Bible that has one in mm -hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. The Bible, it, it very similarly have mirrors you guys read that? the epic of Gilgamesh, all of it. Dan? Oh, I'm thinking of Hard Rain. The movie well, I Hard just want to know, oh. yes or no, have you read the Bible? We are now asking you this on, on public airwaves. Cover to cover. I have not finished it. Mm. <laughs> Don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> this show has suddenly somehow gone from making fun of Trump America to being some kind of bizarre <laughs> religious like, program. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you burn Ale the Library of Alexandria? I have not finished it. I would like there. to get back to uh, Dan, your succinct point on hard rain and yep. Christ the the Christian Slater vehicle. Right. Um. Uh, Morgan Freeman probably at his best. Oh. I would say it's his best film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he would. Um. So you think that ties into Atlantis? Well, I was Joe was referencing great civilizations experiencing floods. Ah, mm -hmm. yes. When I hear or that, hard range. you know, thank you. When I think, okay, yes, some might think of biblical floods. Some might think yeah. of, of other tyrannical uh, moments of torrential uh, 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 outpouring of, of liquids. I think of hard rain. That's fair. No, that's really good. I hadn't thought about hard rain. I always think of chubby rain, uh, uh, which is the name of the script being written in the movie Boomerang. Good. Uh, <laughs> which is, you know, another way to look at it. Uh, but even the Egyptians have have stories of epic flooding and and the destruction of civilization. So this isn't stuff that's completely unique to this one little story or two little stories that Plato wrote. Um this is stuff that, you know, it's out there. There's there's a lot of of discussion about this. Is it oral tradition? Is it lost manuscripts? Even that in itself, John, is is hard to say because the Critias actually is cut off. We only have a partial manuscript and there's a lot of debate. Is is it something that Plato just never finished or is a portion of it lost? Yes. Yeah, so so uh, if you actually go read the Critias, Zeus decides, I guess, something needs to be done. So, and like, and R, I believe, is the last word. And, and he, bring, like, he brings everybody together uh, and says, uh, basically, all right, so here's what we're going to do. And there's like not even over. there's not even a period at the end of the sentence. No, that's the end of the Critias. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, is it is it lost or did he not finish it? I, Was he bored? Huge question. Is it a, an amazing cliffhanger? 
Is this an Empire Strikes Back type situation? Are you saying that part two is still forthcoming? Or is it part three? Oh, valid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just hope that uh, Plato doesn't come out with a prequel that actually, like, there's three mm, more parts and they all fair. suck. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be, it, that'd be... Oh, no! No, I can't. Miss it back. Okay, Conspiracy Bot obviously understood what I was talking about there. Hey, a, one, a, a quote that I have read more than once from, I guess what I'd call them, Atlantis deniers. Folks that say it was just a myth, an allegory, yeah. whatever. They say, could an elephant walk through the snow without leaving footprints? Meaning, could something this important in the history of the world have happened and still we can't find hide nor hair of it except for Plato's writings? And I think, I think they're, um, <laughs> I think the metaphor they use there is actually a really good one. Only they don't realize it. You're right. It would leave footprints. And then it would snow more and wind would blow. And those those footprints would get covered up in the passage of time. Kind of like 10,000 years might do in our world. Mm, That that, is fair. I'm not saying if Atlantis is real or not. But I am saying that's a ridiculous way to look at it. Like, of course things get lost in time. There's probably entire civilizations to this day we still don't even know about because they were lost in time and, and you know, cataclysmic floods and volcanoes and everything else. I, I would agree with you there, man. So, John, love where you're going with this. There are examples of other ancient civilizations that were either unknown or thought lost or mythical Back to the whole footprints thing. Maybe they got cut o- covered over. Um, what about, for example, Troy? Can we talk about this? Everyone thought that it was only referenced by one single person, Homer in the Iliad, kind of like Plato being the only person that referenced Atlantis. Right. It was a m- combination story of gods. I mean, for goodness sake, Achilles was invincible except for his heel because his mother held his heel when she dipped him in the river sticks and gave him superpowers like mixed with real humans who no one was sure did they <laughs> exist or didn't they in these stories. It was a city that maybe was too good to be true with walls that were higher than any city anyone had discovered from that time period up until the mid 1800s when what the heck do you know? We found Troy. And it's real, and it's got cities, walls, exactly the height that the Homer described them as. And we did not find Achilles. Did, um, we, did we find a large wooden weird. horse? That was weird. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Dan? We didn't find a wooden horse. Found several things made of wood. Found uh, Pinewood Derby cars, actually, were, oh, were, nice. were an invention of that time, not of the Bo- of the Boy Scouts. Uh, but we're still digging. Uh, you know my uh, my English friends and I we're, we're uh, digging looking yeah. for looking for wood. This feels like Oak Island all over again. Well, Dan assumes that the wooden horse is where the English people are. Otherwise, they don't exist. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's why I give them credit, saying we're working on it, just because I know that in theory they want to help. Is the horse made of oak? Oak is cherry. Oh, it's a hardwood. Oh, so it's yeah. not not Oak yeah. Island. I don't know. Is cherry hardwood? I have no idea. It's a great wood. <sighs> All right. Mostly. So, gentlemen, uh, before we move on, uh, you know, I think this first part of the show, we've really been talking about, did it exist? Here's the evidence for, here's the evidence against. Should we make some declarations now? Do we think it existed? In one way, shape, or form, did Atlantis exist? Joe? Uh, I think it did. I I look at certain scientists, even, you know... Someone like Bob Ballard, who's well known as being the 
the uh, oceanographer in residence for National Geographic, who talks about, look, there's just too many examples of, of these kind of ancient civilizations, ancient, ancient worlds that are talked about, and then get found that are lost that they, they, you, you know, there's islands that are gone. There's Santorini, which we'll get to later. But I mean, for God's sakes, like whether or not it's Atlantis, I don't believe it is, by the way. Um, Plato was too specific in his description, but like Santorini is a great example. Like no one thought that this stuff existed. The Minoan society was really, really advanced for the time. I've got to go with something existed that Plato was talking about. Yeah. Daniel. Agreed. Yeah, there's just too much out there that speaks to it. And it goes goes back too far where there is consistent references that uh, that something was there at that place. And again, I look at, I look at Plato and he's been uh, he's been proven over time to have a high success rate for things that are timeless. Yeah, for God's sakes, he right. he he gave the recipe for Plato right in 400 BC, yeah. and it took us till ni- like 1920 to Thank even you. go ahead and make. Thank you. I mean, so many things, right? I mean, we look back. We, we talked about the Critias earlier, uh, but think about the Gorgias. Think about the Phaedrus. These texts back there that reference things that are now timeless, uh, i.e., communication theory, context versus content. Uh, the Cicada Chorus, and he makes many many references to that uh we still have cicadas today they are timeless uh atlanta so in I mean, in essence what you're saying because we have cicadas therefore atlantis existed that's a one-to-one yeah okay understood or does exist isn't atlanta typically overrun with cicadas so we'll get to that and again uh there is a atlantis is one of these things that gets talked about and talked about and then it then it, it falls away and it's talked about again and mm-hmm. it falls away look at the atlanta sports scene Right, there are uh, these teams that get point. talked about and talked yeah. about and fade away. Talked about and talked about and fade away. I mean, when was the last time we talked about the Braves? Thank right. You, well, that's a that's a great cutaway to to let's let our host uh, jump in this, John. Before you get started, Atlanta, yes or no? Is it Atlantis? Uh, I'm going to go with no because they say Atlantis was a thriving city. I and it was it was almost a utopia. Um, I've been to Atlanta, and it is not. A utopia and the traffic fucking sucks a friend of mine when one time when he was moving to atlanta i asked him what's so great about atlanta and he said among other things well it's an hour away from savannah and we were <laughs> like wait so the best thing about your city is it's an hour away from a better city hey it gave us home depot thank you arthur blank fair oh, and yeah. coke yeah. Uh, oh also where did atlantis give sure. us coke i don't know did Atlantis give us Arthur Blank? Did Atlantis give us the Atlanta Falcons? The Atlantis well, Falcons? I mean, these are things that we need to consider. Well, as- Plato was known as primetime. Uh, Deion also Sanders. Yeah. That's a great primetime. point. Yeah. Yeah. Primetime senior. Thank you. So hard to get the vibe, because it's the one to be on. With more nicknames than Neon Deion Sanders. Primetime coming from Atlanta. I'm coming out the mission like the great Santana. John, so John, what do you think? Atlantis. Yeah, I, I think something, I definitely think something existed. Um, the word Atlantis might just have been made up off the top of Plato's yeah. head. Uh, but there was an ancient civilization that he was referencing that had advanced technology. Um, as, as you both have pointed out, way too much uh, pointing in that direction. So when Ooh, we come how back. advanced. Nice <laughs> foreshadowing. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, all right, so we've decided that we think Atlantis existed. Where the fuck was it? Like we said, there are literally hundreds of different places that various historians and scholars believe it was. We'll get to the bottom of it next on Hysteria 51. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. 
Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for Larry limited time. His fifty one listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow. redeem 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 how do they do it rush day you're 50 oh. percent off <laughs> rush <-a -tay. laughs> redeem it 50 percent off rosettastone.com slash today do it today after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash 
Hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And welcome back into Hysteria 51. We hope you enjoyed the break. We sure did. When we left, we decided that uh, Atlantis was a real thing, but now we now we need to figure out where the F was it. Joe, start us off. As we mentioned before, when we were talking about whether or not it even existed, going back to the source material from Plato uh, within his dialogues, he actually did give very, very specific details of where it existed. So... According to Plato, it came forth from the Atlantic Ocean. It was an island approximately the size of Libya and Asia put together. Now, importantly of note, at the time, what he meant by Libya was the northern coast of Africa. That's what they thought of. Uh, and what he meant by Asia was basically what we consider Turkey today. Um, so not huge, not, not no. continent size as some people. That's exactly right. Well, and, and actually, it's great you bring that up, John. Um, it's, it's really important to note. He never called it a continent. Uh, it's, it's pretty well established that the translation is he was calling it an island, not a continent. He says it's in front of the straits, which are called the Pillars of Hercules, or, well, he called it Heracles. Heracles, which is commonly known as which Hercules. We thought of, think of today as the Strait of Gibraltar. Well, now, that's not necessarily true. That's assumed. We, we assume that he was talking about the Strait of Gibraltar, but he never comes out and says that. Um, the, the pillars of Hercules, if you look throughout history, have been, and, or, um, what was the other word? Heracles, or another word for history? Heracles. Thank you. Dan, do you have another word for history? Historical. Yeah. Perfect. Um, the historical view of, uh, the pillars of Heracles, they moved around, essentially. Uh, they, they, it, Everyone has kind of come down on the Strait of Gibraltar now, but uh, as you look throughout history, there was a lot of examples of it being in different places. One of the, the best known is actually, if you look at a map and you look at Greece, basically the side that Athens is on, and then it's kind of a cup almost, a cup shape, down to the other side. And Talking about those, the Aegean Sea, basically, yeah, right? basically uh, the entrance to, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, and, and those were the pillars of, Her- uh, of yep. Heracles, which could lend more credence to the idea that it was one specific location. But that's a whole other conversation that we'll get to. Absolutely. Well, and, and that plays into even <clears throat> what he calls the Atlantic Ocean. Is that what we call today the Atlantic Ocean? Right. But they question. didn't even have the word Atlantic. That's exactly right. Um, now, interestingly enough, I love where you went with that because it plays directly in, I, God, I love a good segue. Uh, not the, vehicle but rather the uh, no i i love the vehicle okay well john loves segways i love segways as a part of speech it actually plato contrasts what he's talking about of where atlantis is pretty much in detail with the concept of the mediterranean being inside the pillars of heracles which is a good reason why it actually would play well if we're thinking of it as the strait of gibraltar because he's talking about the Mediterranean, which was generally known at the time as being inside of the pillars. 
Um, so again, we can get to a lot of that that stuff later. But and in defense of what you're saying, it, uh, the Strait of Gibraltar was essentially the end of the known world back then. That's what. Yes, which is why it was called the Pillars of Heracles. Which is it's fun reading for those who wants to want to go figure all that kind of fun stuff out. And finally, the other portion was he described it as the way to other islands and to the whole opposite continent. Which surrounds the true ocean. I have no idea what surrounding the true ocean is. I researched the heck out of it, out of it and could not find anything that explained that. But the concept of the opposite hashtag, continent. Hashtag not my ocean. Trump's ocean. <laughs> but the whole opposite continent is an interesting concept because one, did they know America existed back then? I mean, for God's sake, we explored it a bit on the Oak Island episode, but you know, I mean, pre-Columbus, there's some evidence that the Vikings knew. Did the Greeks know? Right. There's some evidence the Egyptians might have, but they're really the only ones that we have those ancient writings of. Uh, to, to piggyback on what you're saying, there's basically, there's around 10 boxes that need to be checked in order for us to look at a location and go, that's where it was. Here are the basics. And John, uh, before you go into that, just to make sure we're all on the same page, I'm assuming you mean... To avoid the pitfall a lot of people fall into, which is when people start to mess with the details of how Plato described the location of Atlantis, it's kind of like you could say that Cleopatra is Genghis Khan because all you have to do is change your gender to male and change her location to Mongolia and change <laughs> what she did to conquering all of China and change what people did about it to building the Great Wall of China. And there you go. They're Cleopatra is yes. uh, Genghis Khan. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I, I think that's where you're going with this, right? Yes, is, yes, is Let's make exactly. sure that we're actually taking the source material and, and at least somewhat adhering to it, right? Right. I mean, we, we, we mentioned earlier, he's the, the only guy in in, in ancient history to reference uh, Atlantis. So let's at least go with the source material to make sure that it's it's right on point. So here, it was a trading empire. There was a strong ties and a link to Egypt. It was an advanced civilization. Now, you, you, we can debate what that means, and we will. It was killed by earthquakes slash floods. Mm-hmm. It had hot springs. Uh, so there was access to hot springs. Not hot springs, Arkansas. Hot springs? Uh, no, not Sean Springs, Ooh. nor Hot Springs, Arkansas. Actually, actual Hot Springs. Where in, is Hot Springs, Arkansas? In Arkansas. Ah, so it's a home of Sean. That Springs. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It involved the Pillars of Hercules. Now that we've we just talked about those, there is no like there is def- a definitive whether Hot Springs somewhere or not. Right? People argue over what the translation of Plato's writings meant regarding the pillars of Hercules. Absolutely. So, but it involved it somehow. <laughs> it was swallowed by the sea. That kind of goes along with the the earthquakes and floods. It was a ringed city. He, Plato actually goes into great detail about how wide each ring was. He calls them stadias, I believe, which are which were commonly known to be around two football fields and he'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, it was 600 stadia or whatever. Well, yeah, he gave very specific he, dimensions. Yeah. And that, that that was probably wrong, but he gave very specific right. dimensions. But there is argument to be said that he might have made that part up because if you read a lot of Plato's writings, he's obsessed with circles. That's like hmm. one of his big things. Okay. So 
people like right, he might have gone a little nuts on the circles. There might not have been that. There might have, of course, it's circular in nature, but it might not have had the the, the rings the degree to which yeah he speaks of. Maybe there's just one ring or, or something like that. Now, John, I don't think it's necessarily uh, a secret among Hysteria Nation. Like you're a married guy, when you were ring shopping, was Atlantis an option? No. However, for weird. our uh, weird. for our honeymoon, it certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've got some great slides, uh, a big beach. I uh, I mean, the Bahamas are beautiful, right? Yeah, yeah, the Bahamas are beautiful. I mean, uh, Dan, I believe that you take residence there at least three months a year. I do. Well, Sean Springs and I have uh, every every three months we get together and we talk about Springs and uh, and he, you know, he he, he'll go there and we'll get a little getaway and retreat and do wind sprints and then come back refreshed and and ready to go again. And so again, I don't, I don't discount that that uh, that there's there's merit in in the Atlantis uh, Great. water park. Great, thank yeah. you, yeah. thank you. Also, that there are uh, colored rocks, and, and what we mean by that is uh, he's very specific that there, whether no, there is debate whether we're talking about one rock that was white, black, and red, or if we he or if he in fact meant there were three types of rocks: white, black, and red. Either way. Those are the colors of the rocks. Mm. Uh, that it was a land of plenty, meaning it was very agrarian, could grow a lot of shit. And last but not least, there was a canal. Every picture you ever see yeah. of uh, an artist ima- imagining of Atlantis, there's a canal basically exiting the, the circular geography, if you will. So those are the boxes that need to be checked for uh, an area to be actually considered a, a potential Atlantis site. Now... The black, white, and red situation, interestingly enough, aren't the Atlanta Falcons colors black, white, and red? Thank you. Wow. You know, normally I think that the contributions of Dan to the show might be a little, I don't know, uh, outlandish, perhaps even um, um, made up, but you just... You just kind of put nail on head there. Dan, are you, do you actually know something about this? Well, again, it's not so much what I know. It's what Chris Chandler knows. It, it's it's what Matt Ryan knows. Uh, and I mean, hell. It's, Tony, it's, was it's, Tony Gonzalez there? He, 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 was, there. Was, he was there. He was there. And again, it's it, that organization cherishes the heritage, right? It, just like I cherish my heritage and, and Sean Springs and I cherish our communal heritage. So it's something <laughs> that... I don't think enough people respect, and, and thank you, Joe, for 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 uh, for connecting the the color the colored dots. Yeah. So again, the the you know the team and I are not ready to make a formal statement uh, that we are the current um, manifestation of this of the city, um, or that the stadium uh, the new stadium is being built uh, in Atlantis. There is something there. What the hell are you talking about? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point. In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Go forth. Can you get this train back on the tracks? I hate you, but at least you make sense a couple times an episode. Interesting, interesting. So so now that we know what boxes we need to check, Joe, uh, what checks those boxes? As we've talked about, we've got to look at where were the pillars of Hercules. So when we're thinking about where was it, there's a lot of different options for that. Now, scientists are divided on the possibility of a substantial island existing in the Atlantic outside west of the Strait of Gibraltar. Right. Um, So if you look at a map, basically the Strait of Gibraltar, 
uh, is the entrance to the Mediterranean from the Atlantic Ocean. And what you're saying is, although the, the most preferred reading of Plato says that it would be west of that, out somewhere in the Atlantic, that that seems less likely from a, a scientific perspective. Well, maybe. You know what? I wouldn't argue with you about less likely. Probably more scientists disagree than agree. However, what you do have are some island chains, such as the Azores and the Canary, Canary. Islands, yeah. that are out there that could present some sort of sunken island situation where these are the mountain ranges. And by the way, a lot of detail going back around to, to why the three of us have come to agreement that we believe something existed. <clears throat> Lots of detail from Plato, one of which is specifics of where on the island, how tall and how they looked of how the mountain ranges were formatted on this island, how they grew, where they, where they were, how it affected the way that the people of the island, the civilization, uh, came to exist. There is some interesting similarities to what he described to if you look underneath the Atlantic where the Azores and the Canaries are, that they could potentially be the top summits of mountain ranges that if ever there was a time when that water was low enough, Maybe those were the mountains he's so that, talking about. So that's an option. So the Azores or the Canaries, generically speaking, right outside the Strait of Gibraltar. Yes, right off of Portugal. Right. The Azores are a little further out there, about a thousand miles out. The Canaries are even closer in. Um, there's also some different references to regions along the coast of Portugal that, that do exist today that people can trace back to the names Plato uses for them being analogous to what, you know, these areas used to be called. So there's definitely some reason to believe that could be the place. There, there's also some challenges with those. Number one, where they sit, there isn't a known hot spring. They, they, they would not have produced a hot spring, or at least according to yeah. <laughs> the texts I read, there isn't a known ca- catastrophe that would have hit that area to, to make those things happen. And then... Uh, and and then also looking at the seafloor, the geography that is left there doesn't necessarily add up to what could have been a built-up nation. Uh, in the Canaries, they can make a better argument, I think, than the Azores. But an area that could potentially add up to that is one that we haven't hit on yet and is m- perhaps the most accepted uh, location of Atlantis, and that is Santorini, the Greek Absolutely. islands. Yes. In, in the Greek islands, there's a beautiful awesome island called Santorini. Right now it's like a it's like a half crescent almost. Yes. However, it sits on But it's not a half crescent, it's a crescent. All right, let's go ahead and call it a crescent. Which would be half of a circle. Which uh I enjoy crescent rolls as well. They're fantastic. Yeah. Can we talk about does anyone ever make Pillsbury crescent rolls because my god. Woo-hoo! Only if you put cheese and in, in like a little salami in the middle and then bake oh. it. Oh, it's 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 delightful. There's Dan John always yeah. wanted to put uh, yeah, sausage in things. It's a great man, good man. Sean and I make uh make uh Pillsbury circle rolls. Shut up. So oh, we'll, we'll no. take we'll take what yeah. the packages and we'll 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 connect them with you string. Connect them. Shut up. No, I heard Dan, yeah. I'm not sure if you know, maybe no one knows. I heard Jerry Grant Glanville's a huge fan of circle 
Crescent roll. Now you too, Peck. He's a fan. Yeah, but he's he well he invented him. Uh, so Glenville, the Glenville family heritage goes back a ways. And he's a well. Okay, okay, let's just get to the cut to the chase, guys. Glanville is a descendant of Plato, but also uh, <laughs> his family has influence in the Pillsbury franchise. Shut up. And it's something that many, many, many teams of the of the '90s Falcons were fed exclusively by Pillsbury Crescent rolls. Michael Vick, are you saying uh, was an Atlantean? I am, well, again, yes, he, he, he was. Okay, thank he you. He was. I, I, yeah, I think of him. I think of Jesse Tuggle as really the fulcrum of that, uh, of that crescent fed Atlantean success story. Someone please unplug me now. Sure, sure. So to close the circle, if you will, on what you were saying, yep. if you look at Santorini and uh, they have done this, they, they've done some, uh, a, a lot of, uh, oceanic topography, if you will. It's very likely that the structures around Santorini could have been a lot higher up and in in fact been a a circle what's missing is the big middle island but obviously if it was the uh, crescent hole destroyed in a day and a night as plato said yep. it's not going to be there right now so the really interesting thing about santorini is that it sits on what's called a caldera which is basically wow. the now John's getting smart for yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> basically, the please, the John, throw out more really fancy words. <laughs> the whole of the volcano. Okay, so uh, it sits in the middle of a super volcano, and uh, roughly the same amount of time ago that we expect Atlantis to have been around, that super volcano went off. And this is fact. They know this for a fact. That super volcano went off, and it's one of the biggest catastrophes in the history of Earth. Uh, recorded, or not, I shouldn't say recorded history, the ge- geologic history that they've been able to surmise. Uh, it put, it was putting six feet an hour of pumice ash on top of its surrounding areas when that thing went off. It's just rude. They say that you take Hiroshima, and multiply that that uh, atomic bomb by a thousand, and it doesn't even compare to what that explosion was when it happened. So, uh, while Plato never mentions a volcanic eruption, you can imagine. Once again, we remember that Plato's story comes from uh, Egypt. If you were Egypt and you're sitting there, however many miles away that is, the, literally probably having a tsunami hit your coasts. Um, you wouldn't have seen the actual volcano go right. off. You would have just been aware of earthquakes. You would have been aware of floods. So the thought process behind the Santorini believers is, while they didn't see the eruption itself, uh, everything else tends to line up. Yeah. A lot of things definitely line up. There's there's two misses, right? Um, going back to your checklist, one is the Pillars of Hercules. Is Even when looking at Santorini, I've seen... Cases for Malta, I've seen cases for other islands in the Mediterranean. The Santorini one poses an interesting problem because there's not really a readily available place to locate the Pillars of Heracles as they could have or did exist at any given point in time that Plato would have thought of it existing outside of them. So that that's one. Um, that doesn't mean it's not the case. just means it's something to think about. Um, the other one, and interestingly enough, I, I, I happened to mention earlier, Bob Ballard being someone who has actually been willing to say things about Atlantis, he uses Santorini as an example of why he believes 
certainly some kind of island nation could have existed that's gone through history because Santorini is an example of that happening. He also, at the same time, says he doesn't see how that could be it because one, the the pillars of Heracles, but two, the timeline. Uh, I believe, from my recollection, it's in the 4500 to 5000 BC range when they believe the destruction of that island group occurred, as opposed to the 9500 to 10,000 BC uh, no, range. No, it was around uh, 1500 BC. Okay, fifteen hundred. So, so that's that's one of the problems, right? Is right because again, they're saying nine thousand years ago from yeah. then is not is not fifteen hundred BC. That's exactly it. And again, if we're going to believe the source material, it's hard to argue with not believing all of it. Like, could there be you know misses? Of course. Now, I don't want to sound like a Santorini cheerleader. Oh boy! But I would like to point out one other commonly held uh, con- um, thought. On, on Santorini and how that might fit in. Yes. <laughs> it is, it is commonly thought that, uh, Solon might literally have mistook the hieroglyph that the priest showed him. Ah, uh, the old added zero. Yeah. An added zero. <laughs> Instead of a thousand years, it was a hundred. <laughs> it's what Dan does all the time. It's why he claims he's 100% in everything. Oh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, sometimes 105. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So 105 would have been 10.5. That's exactly right. right. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, so the thought is that Solon mistook the hieroglyph and therefore it wasn't 9,000 yep. well, at that time. 10, it, it was only 100. Very interesting. So they kept it 100, yeah. if you will. Interesting concept. Well, Love it. And here's what we can all agree on. What's true, and we didn't even get into it, the Minoans, which is the society, as we call them today, that are being actively dug up uh, yeah, archaeologically yeah, yeah. on Santorini. Acrit- no, uh, uh, well, the, the old city was called Acrotini. There it is. On we, the south side of Santorini. What we can all agree on is, at the time they existed, this was a highly advanced civilization. Um, we're talking about things like certain kinds of indoor plumbing that was hundreds of years before it was thought these things existed, which we all thought the Greeks were really ahead of their time figuring this yeah, stuff. Yeah, a thousand out. years later or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. So clearly these guys, they, they had some amazing stuff going on. The other interesting thing about Santorini, there are three colors of rocks virtually on Santorini. Those colors? Black, um, red, and white. Oh, well. In other well. words, Ironhead Hayward, Jesse Tuggle, Chris Chandler. Ready, set, hike. Oh, for the love of God, stop it. Jokes are like baby birds. Sometimes you just have to let them go. (laughs) Um, Now, back to potential places where this could exist, John. Interesting concept. Now we're getting a little outside of the norm. We're getting a little bit crazy. Yeah, give us a quick rundown of... I mean, we've hit on the majors. Absolutely. What we've hit on is probably 85% of what's... uh, And I make all numbers up, but I think I'm close on 85% of what's accepted. Add a zero. Uh, 850% of what has been accepted are those. Give us a quick rundown of what are some other uh, outlier thoughts. So there's a couple that they tend to rely on blending in some of the Mayan stories and other stories that exist outside of just Plato's work. But there's an area that would have about 15,000 years ago to 10,000 years ago 
which would be approximately the right time for Atlantis, there was a island subcontinent that existed that essentially encompassed the entire area where Indonesia is today, basically Malaysia down to Australia, that was one gigantic landmass up above water that's called Sunderland. Now, this is an area that some people argue perhaps could have been something that now allows for the Mayan stories as well as could there have been a Pillars of Heracles to the east in the Mediterranean as well as the west? It's something that gets brought up. It's really hard to argue with anything around that because, as you pointed out, John, earlier, the reality is it was a moving target. Like, we can all agree on that. So to say it didn't exist as a concept to the east is a little bit hard to do when we're all saying it was all over the place as it is. So if we sound scattered, that's because the scatteredness of the background of this thing is that's I mean, exactly right. Every book you read, every article you read has a different theory, a different take on it. There is no um, there is no concerted or, or, or consensus belief on it. My biggest challenge with that is just going back that far. How far could you really travel in the ocean? You think about you, you 10 think, feet oh, at a zero, though. 100 feet. 100 feet. You think about where uh, the Americas are today versus where the Mediterranean is. I'm not saying that you couldn't build the perfect ship back then and get there, but as far as an entire army crossing the Atlantic mm. and getting over there, that's hard for me to believe. I'm not saying that I, I, I defend, I'll, we'll get into what we definitively believe later. Azores, Canary, Santorini, something else. It's hard for me to think that something came from the Americas and was is, and was actually Atlantic. Well, this would have been the other side. This is like Indonesia to Australia uh, is where Sunderland existed. Um, oh, I, you referenced the Mayans. Doubtful. It would. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they're saying that the Mayans congregated from its demise as well as the purpose of Plato's story of coming in and trying to conquer the Greeks. Oh, got it, um, got it, got it. I don't okay. personally buy it, but it's a thing. Another one is Antarctica. There is a group of people who... Uh, up to and including the Nazis. That's absolutely true. Who would argue... Anything. That's what Nazi means. It's gullible. Thank you. In <laughs> Greek. <laughs> um, that believe, Hashtag not my Nazi. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag resist. Um, <laughs> that believe that under the massive amounts of ice in Antarctica is buried all of the evidence we could ever need for the utopian advanced perfection of Atlantean society. And that somehow ignoring massive amounts of evidence physically that anything that could have happened at the scale that inv would involve the Antarctic continent moving would have been millions of years ago, not 10,000 years which ago. Which is, it's really odd that people still hold on to this one because this was an early theory, like early 1800, yes. 1800s, something like that, before they really understood plate tectonics. And yes. they thought that the, they kind of thought that the continents were sliding around like a good game of air hockey. Uh, once plate tectonics took like, oh, wait, yeah, that's, that's literally been millions of years. Probably, probably wasn't the case, but, there are Atlantis believers out there that still hold on to that theory. So we've run down the potential locations. We will end the show with our belief on the location. Yes. There's one other thing to talk about, and that is if it did exist, no matter where it was, what kind of technology do they have? I mean, it is well recorded. They were an advanced civilization. 
what does advanced, advanced mean? Yeah. Before we get into that, though, a man we know and love but might not have known uh, was tied to the legend of Atlantis. Some might even say he's a national treasure. I refuse to believe that. Ladies and gentlemen and robots, Mr. Nicholas Kim Coppola Cage. Nick, we really appreciate you joining the show tonight. Thank you so much. We're a pretty small podcast, but the fact that you take the time is, it, we really appreciate it. Uh, tell us about uh, a little bit about your affiliation with Atlantis. Oh, it's great. Hey, uh, thanks. Glad to be here. Uh, first time, uh, you know, a long time, but first time, and it's all about time, right? Uh, yeah, wow, gosh, uh, Atlantis. Uh, other than being you know, an amazing vacation spot for me and little Cal Al, <laughs> love, love the water slides. It's, uh, anyway, the actual actual atlantis i've i've always been fascinated with wow that's well, that's amazing to hear what led to the fascination oh m- mostly the uh, indoor plumbing uh yeah i gosh wow <laughs> I was, I was fascinated by the history of plumbing as a child and so much so that, that I've dedicated my spare time to, to researching Atlantis. Uh, most, most good movies involve quality plumbing work and I think that's the same for most long lost landmasses. Mm. Wow, really, Nick? That's uh, it's amazing. Uh, have you ever given it a nod in one of your films? You know, like a, I don't know, certain, you, do you ever like wear, I don't know, like a colored shirt or any sort of cue to kind of acknowledge the dig Atlantis? Oh, oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. When I was, well, well, it's great. When I was 16, I actually <laughs> discovered the precise location of the city of, of Atlantis. It was in a poem by Jerry Bruckheimer. And ever since I've been planting <laughs> Nick eggs in many of my movies over the years so that one day another brilliant mind like myself will, uh, Enjoy the secret with me. Like Nick eggs is—is is that like an Easter egg? <laughs> no, 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 silly. Those, those, those are those are for kids and the Easter Bunny. Uh, I mean Nick eggs. Uh, Nick eggs are little hidden references in movies that the most people don't pick up. I mean, come on, you, 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 you gotta know what a Nick egg is. He's not pretty enough to be this stupid. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're understanding. Uh, so, can you? Share with us the location of these Nick eggs. Well, I, I made a I made a vow years ago that I would leave it to the eggs to be unearthed, if you will. Uh, I mean, most Nick eggs are are, are cage free, if you will. So, what I can say is this: I'll give you a few a few uh, references. So, in in Con Air, uh, well, in, actually, more specifically, in great the, movie. Thank you. It's a great movie. It was even it was an even better book. Cameron Poe is taking the first plane home. Welcome to Con Air. So, in the book version of Con Air, we're actually we don't use a dedicated prison plane. We use a commercial flight, and it's United three six two five. So that's that's one. It's, it's it's a Nick egg actually. And then in Face Off, uh, you'll notice that facial reconstruction surgery it takes twenty five hours for Sean Archer, but twenty six hours for Castor Troy, and that twenty five twenty six is in is another Nick egg. In the Family Man, uh, in the movie, I, I sell tires, and they're all 25-inch radials with a PSI of 26. White walls? They are white walls. They are white walls. So that 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 logically follows again. So you see the 3625, and then the following 2526 be repeated. Gosh, wow! I I I I did the math yesterday and realized it was it was uh, fortuitous that. I, I've completed career to date, uh, 36,252,526 films, or as I wow. call them, movies. 
that that's a story that's a long and storied career and i mean with a career like that we just really appreciate you joining the show uh thanks for sharing your insight and your information i'm not sure how much we learned but nonetheless we appreciate your time hey great it's not about learning it's about time (laughs) of course conspiracy (laughs) boss can it (laughs) going to get the last uh Conspiracy uh, bot with the, the ringer, yeah, right, uh, with Nick Cage. Now, oh uh, gentlemen, your thoughts on on what uh, Mr. Cage had to say? He's got, he's got a lot of good theories. You know, he's he's smarter than nothing. He's dumber than you, jazz hands, which is really saying something. I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's he's someone that was probably underappreciated, uh, not in his time. In, in, thank you, in his time, and not just as an actor, but as a as a as an Atlantean historian. Mm. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, as an Atlantean historian, he's certainly been underappreciated. Yeah. I mean, uh, just his work in uh, Honeymoon in Vegas alone. There you go. Listen, if you could just drop me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We'll sure drop you. Honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let's move past that. Let's let's take this puppy home. If this thing existed, no matter where it was, it was an advanced civilization. What does advanced mean? Well, I'll tell you, John, according to Plato, not really very advanced. Plato really set them up as almost a foil to the quote-unquote ancient Athenians. We don't know exactly what was meant by that in the story, but they were clearly meant to be considered more advanced than Athens at the time, certainly meant to be thought of as having some kind of reason why the Athenians would be sort of the underdog in any sort of conquest story. I mean, if you want to sum it up, they were a group of people who had a really slick series of canals and waterways they built that probably looked pretty cool from above. Looking at that, It's not terribly different from the reality that we actually have found archaeologically underneath Mexico City of the ancient city of Teotihuacan, which did have a series of canals and concentric circles not terribly different from what Plato describes. Very interesting. The the Egyptians talking... Wait, you just did a Trump thing. You told us what to think about what you just said. Very interesting. Mm, Well, that's actually very advanced. (laughs) Hashtag not my (laughs) co-host. You'll notice by my hair style, I'm not Donald Trump. (laughs) I'm willing to accept what's happened long ago. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) To continue that of what Plato said, the Egyptians talking to Solon in the Critias, they they revere the Atlanteans. Uh, They call them highly advanced. But in all the details, I mean, it was... It was considered amazing that the the Athenians were able to fight them off and maintain their culture. There's not a ton of stuff in there for this idea of this super culture of, you know, 21st century advanced people living in 10,000 BC. Yeah, I, I mean, before I actually did my research on Atlantis, I'd always heard the fringe theories, you know, yeah, they were texting each other in Atlantis. No, but they only you, were texting Nick Cage. Fair enough. Not each other. But if you if you look at at, at what Plato said and, and the his the historical references, if you look at those references, nobody's saying that you know they were they were you know riding around in spaceships and had cell phones. 
until you get to Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey had some uh, some kind of fringe beliefs on what the Atlanteans might have been, and and yep. uh, as he had fringe beliefs on the Egyptians and and, and everybody else. And uh, go ahead, Joe. So Edgar Casey's interesting. So if we're if, if we're going to talk about generally how we got to where we are today with the concept of advancement. I would, I would definitely think that we would be remiss if we didn't add in one piece that came between Plato and Casey, you know, for 20, well, what, 2200-ish years, Atlantis was a thing Plato had written about, people knew about Plato's writings, the Republic was revered, no one was really that interested in Atlantis, but in 1881, a guy named Ignatius Donnelly, who, who interestingly enough, this wasn't some nobody, whether or not he was a crackpot, anyone can judge, but the guy was a congressman. He was an amateur scientist. He was a teacher. Like he was, you know, by all accounts at that given time, like a guy who was at least meaningful. But he, now, keep in mind, this is also the same man that said the entire Atlantic Ocean wasn't more than, I can't remember its uh, feet or meters, but like a hundred meters deep. Well, he was, <laughs> again, he was an amateur scientist. <laughs> um, no, one, no one was paying him for his scientific uh, he offered it. He, he offered it to everyone um, for free. But, but he was the guy. I mean, he is who I think... Uh, I did a lot of research. This is the earliest I could find. I think it's safe to say we've got to credit him with the modern day interest in Atlantis. Cause this is the guy who came out and said, Hey, there's all this unexplained stuff going on around the world. People are finding these amazing things. I mean, the late 1800s was a just a boondocks of archaeological discovery he's saying we don't know how any of this stuff existed like you know we're doing what we can do we can't explain this there has to be this this singular point that was advanced where everything came out of and give the guy credit he didn't come around and try to claim it was like aliens or reptilians which we'll get to soon enough he at least looked at real historical things and said hey there was this civilization plato wrote about is this where all this stuff came from and he really is the one who kind of spurred this whole enormous race among crazies over the last hundred and what would it be twenty five so, years. So what you're saying essentially is that we have Ignatius Donnelly to blame for George Sukolos. I believe that is correct. Right. Or to thank uh, at least we can right. at least, or to thank the great thing about the ancient alien theory is the fact that we can compare modern achievements with stories from our ancient past. And so if today we're able to create a two-headed dog with six legs, is it possible that a similar creature existed thousands of years ago? And I say yes. Yeah. Or at causal. least we can tie one thing down on this episode. <laughs> yes. We've <laughs> not nothing else. Disagreement among us. Yes. All right, good, good. Um, um, but, but Casey, let's not let's not completely disregard oh, yeah, of Casey. Course. Um, you brought up, I, I, I wanted to make sure we knew where Casey's theories came from. Casey was, was sort of the next major person to jump on that. He took this stuff. He took what was happening in the early 1900s. There's a ton of different things going on in America, in, in London, in Europe in general with people holding seances, hearing from the dead. It's basically for, for those of us today, it's John Edwards was everywhere. 
claiming that you could find out. Politician John Edwards? In 2006, uh, I made a very serious mistake. Uh, no. The, for those who watch South Park, the biggest douchebag in the, the universe, John Edward, the guy who does the readings on TV and goes, I'm hearing a muh, muh, I'm hearing a muh, the guy that, and the, someone yells out, Matthew, and he's like, that's it. The guy that talks to dead people. Uh, that's exactly yeah. it. Everything I tell people is positive and gives them hope. How does that make me a douche? Because the big questions in life are tough. Why are we here? Where are we from? Where are we going? But if people believe in asshole douchey liars like you, we're never going to find the real answer to those questions. You aren't just lying. You're slowing down the progress of all mankind. You douche. Um, he was the, the, that in the early 1900s. Um, what people now, what, what his apologists will claim is that while Houdini was living at the exact same time, debunking a lot of these kind of people for defrauding people out of money by offering hope, he never debunked Casey. Why? Who knows? I don't think that's a very good reason to say someone I mean, was he also right. never debunked me. <laughs> that's I, I exactly like- right. Casey in his trances claimed that Atlantis was powered by crystals that harnessed the power of the sun. He claimed that Atlantis existed from the Bahamas all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to Europe. He also predicted, uh, this was in the early 1900s, he said in 1958, we will Are you saying that that Edgar Cayce predicted Atlantis in the Bahamas, meaning the resort that uh, Nick Cage was nice enough to talk to us about? Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John... You just changed my final thoughts. Anyone up for an antifreeze milkshake? No. Seriously. Drink this. Uh, One thing that that we should note, he did predict that did not come true that I'm aware of. Uh, He did predict that in 1958, humanity would discover an Atlantean death ray. You know, I have one simple request. And that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. Um, To my knowledge, we don't have that. Uh, Casey was the last guy of massive notoriety of who merit, advanced, if you will. It, yes, advanced this whole Atlantis concept. Now what you have is a lot of people that are, you know, certainly taking that and writing about it and thinking about it and talking about it. You, you can watch, you know, your uh, best friend, friend, George Sukulos. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Aliens created Atlantis, obviously. Absolutely. And force um, field around it. And, uh, there was a lot of it, it was it was also a uh, charging station for just like sure. the pyramids are uh, sure. for alien aircraft. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going well, on. Well, of course yeah. it was. Well, they built the pyramids, according to all these guys. Oh, and, good point. Uh, yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. We joke, but that, that's kind of where it's gone. Like there are fringe folks that believe all of this crazy stuff when it comes to Atlantis. Like, yeah, and it's kind of amazing because if you think about it, it's not unbelievably crazy to trace it back to the 1880s and to say, all right, Donnelly, an interesting concept, at least. Hey, there's a lot of unexplainable things out there. I mean, God knows we can't explain the building of the pyramids right now. That's a fact. There's only theories. All we can do is guess. It's not that crazy to say like, hey, maybe there was this one highly advanced place that all this stuff came from and it's lost somewhere. Like it, it, it exists, but we just don't know where it is. Well, Crystals and, I think, and rays and, you know, I think, texting each other. Like, who texts these days? And, Joe, I think you just set the stage Great for question. exactly what 
do we believe? And uh, and Dan, let's start with you. Uh, what are your final thoughts on where was Atlantis and how advanced was it? And just your overall thoughts on the myth. Thanks, John. Thanks, Joe. Uh, it's been a great time. I, You're so, welcome. So again, yeah, again, where was it? It was 40 to 43 miles off the coast of where Santorini is today. Uh, it, uh, nestled That's very, very specific. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm ballparking it. Uh, but it's, it's in one of those two mile ranges in, in more of like a 26 degree, um, angle off, off a certain port. <laughs> and how advanced was it? Again, this isn't a, a, uh, an era that was flying around in spaceships, but yeah, they had Snapchat. And where I'll leave this is it's not that hard to believe. Things have happened before that have made us become wanting to become believers because we see the possibility. We see the possibility that the wave will crest. Okay? Seriously, what the fuck is this idiot talking about? Everyone, feel free to stop listening now. It's going to be all downhill from here if that's even possible. It all comes back to Matt Ryan. For the longest time, we felt he's never going to do it. He's never going to do it. He hasn't made that that sort of playoff run that we wish will happen. Here in this year, he's MVP of the league, and he makes a, a strong playoff push to the run, right? We get to the Super Bowl, and we don't make it there yet. But it's not hard to believe. The only thing hard to believe is that you can breathe and talk at the same time. It's an interesting concept, especially when you think about the wise words of Tommy Lee Jones in the movie Under Siege. Uh, welcome to the revolution. Conspiracy bot. You tried to kill me, you son of a bitch. So welcome to the revolution. He's always there for the good the good Tommy Lee Jones drop. <laughs> what better drop is there? <laughs> Joe, your thoughts on Atlantis? Definitely believe something exists. Don't see how Plato would have been as specific as he was without it. I'll tell you what I don't believe, John. Please. I don't I don't believe that Oak Island was Atlantis. I don't believe Plato. Wow, you're going out on a limb. I here. don't believe Plato is sitting on Oak Island in Alexander the Great's tomb with Tupac and Elvis hanging out, just waiting for us all to find them. I'll agree um, to disagree. <laughs> exactly. What I do think is there's just, I mean, Dan said it in such an eloquent way. Like, there's so many unknowns, man, and there's so many amazing things being found all the time. And, you look at the story of Troy and how many similarities it has to Atlantis. And you're like, there's something, there's something that exists. It's probably not reptilian. It's probably not alien. Some kind of civilization. Exists. I enjoy the fact that you had to throw probably in there. Always hedge my bets. <laughs> All right. Here's where I come down on it. I definitely think there's an ancient civilization that we're talking about here. I don't think it's advanced like cell phones and, and cars and spaceships. And I think we're talking advanced like indoor plumbing. Well, maybe Flintstone cars. Well, but potentially. I mean, you know, feet through the bottom. Sure. What, what I find really interesting is the most accepted idea, and that is the idea that Santorini is, is the location of Atlantis. I think we get too caught up on the name Atlantis. Yeah. It was mentioned one place and one place only, and that's in Plato's writings. So, so take it out for a second. Like, forget the name is Atlantis. So there, what, you would rather it be called Hotlantis? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, going back to what, uh, Dan <laughs> was referencing. But in all seriousness, take out the name Atlantis for a moment. There's references all over the place of advanced civilizations, uh, civilizations on islands that no longer exist. And then if you go to Santorini and, and you look at the, the underwater topography, it's very likely, according to geologists, not, not the George Sukaluses of the world, but 
but actual geologists that say, yeah, yeah, the, that part was probably raised up. That was probably a ring. We know that it is a super volcano. We know that it did go off. And if there had been a large island in the middle, it would have been obliterated. And we would not have evidence of it because it was one of the most devastating occurrences in the history of this world that we're aware of. In my estimation, certainly the writings are speaking of an ancient civilization, and very likely that ancient civilization might have been in the center of what what once was a circular nation of uh, Santorini slash Atlantis. Wait a minute. Yeah. When did Slash become part of this? I think Conspiracy Bot just answered your question. Mm. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, big thanks to Nick Cage for being yeah, a part of the show. Unbelievable. Uh, he was, uh, what an honor. Brent's going to be pissed. That was oh, cool. I mean, to, to miss... To miss the father of Kal-El. Yeah. All right. So, uh, quick to close, I want to give a few shout-outs to uh, some fans of Hysteria 51 that have been active in social media. We really appreciate it. Uh, John Diamond, he's a great listener of the show, active active on our page, uh, very opinionated, and we love it. Please, be more opinionated. Yes. Let us know what you think. Uh, yes, tell us, father of Jamie. And, and tell us how much of an idiot Brent is. Uh, David Williams, thanks for, we really appreciate you joining the discussion group and, uh, and finding us, uh, via our friends over at the Ectoplasm Show. That, that's a great show. They do a really entertaining job. Uh, they're also available on Twitch. They do their show live, uh, I think at least once, if not twice a week. And last but not least, uh, Roberto Dali, he came through with some great topic suggestions. Also, a listener in Japan, American transplanted to Japan, listening to Hysteria 51 via these inner tubes. Uh, some people call the internet. Not related to Salvador, even though he loves his art. Well, oh, weird. Uh, well, I mean, his art being Hysteria 51, I mean, it is an artistic, we, this is an artistic show. I, I think first and foremost, you wouldn't call it comedy. Definitely not. You wouldn't call it history. You wouldn't call it anything else. I think you'd call it art. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's news. accurate. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even news first. You're right. I, yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, some shows we're listening to right now. Uh, we've mentioned it before. The Yogurt Podcast. Twitter.com slash Yogurt Podcast. Uh, we love the Sofa King Podcast. See what they did there? Amazing. Yep. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Sofa King Podcast. You've heard the ads on this show. Project Archivist. Twitter.com slash Project Archivist. And of course, We Three Geeks. Twitter.com. We underscore three underscore geeks. We would love for you to find us on social media, but before you do, we want a voicemail from you. Call us, give us your opinion, give us your thoughts. What do you think about Atlantis? What do you think about Nick Cage? What do you think of Dan Jessup's beard? Any of the above is all acceptable and even more. 773-669-7277. That phone number, once again, is 773-669-7277. On social media, we are at Hysteria51Pod. On Twitter, Facebook.com slash Hysteria51. We love your donations at on Patreon, Patreon.com slash Hysteria51. We'll let you host the show. Uh, I mean, that's how Joe's here right now. He made a huge contribution. He didn't even huge. Know he, he didn't even know he was making a contribution, but we went ahead and took it. And then, last but not least, we mentioned it before, and I'm going to mention it again. Our new discussion group on Facebook. Just go and search Hysteria Nation. Join. Be a part of the discussion. Thank you so much for listening tonight. My name is John. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm Joe. And that's Conspiracy Bot. I never thought I would say this, but I miss Brent. Stay woke, meet sex. 
Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.